Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you for joining, joining me this morning. Today is Thursday, January the 26th, 2023, the year of our Lord. On January 26, 1998, President Bill Clinton forcefully denied having an affair with a former White House intern telling reporters, quote, I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. Today in 1915, President Woodrow Wilson signed the Rocky Mountain National Park Act, which created America's 10th national park. Today in 1962, the United States launched Ranger 3. It was to land scientific instruments on the moon, The probe ended up missing its target by about 22,000 miles. I guess in space, that's a near miss. Today in 1992, the Democratic presidential candidate Bill Clinton appearing with his wife Hillary on CBS 60 Minutes, he acknowledged causing, quote, causing pain in my marriage. But he said past problems are not relevant to my political campaign. Today in 2020, NBA legend, basketball player Kobe Bryant and his 13-year-old daughter and seven others were with them when their helicopter plunged into a deep, a steep hillside in dense morning fog in Southern California. The Laker star was 41 years old. I noticed this morning there's a story out there that some are publishing, most are not because they don't want you to know. But illegal immigration under Biden is approaching 1% of the total U.S. population. We're soon to have 1% of our population, illegal aliens, who have come to America just in two years of Joe Biden. It's amazing. If you ever want to know what's important to someone, it is said, follow the money. I think we could do that with a lot of our public servants that we've elected to serve us in the American legislature, the the Congress. But, you know, if you look at education, at public education, and you look what they're doing with their money, it's you get a pretty good idea of what's really important to them, regardless of what they say to parents when the parents come in for a meeting or whatever. Where are, what are they doing with the money that we, the taxpayers, give them because we're forced to? I think that's very revealing. There's a story in the Center Square uh, this morning. I just wanted to share a little bit of it with you. It was uh, it says, Seattle Public Schools is focused on addressing the legacies of racism in our education system, and it's made diversity and equity inclusion employees among the highest paid in the district. Let me just take a moment and let's look at just how highly paid the equity teachers are in the district. Top administrators for the African American Male Achievement in the Department of Racial Equity Advancement 
are among the highest. James Bush had his salary increase. This is Seattle Public Schools. James Bush had his salary increase from $151,480 to $214,714 from 2020 to 2021 and then 2021 to 2022. That's according to salary information provided by the state of Washington. Bush received that 42% pay increase when he was promoted to chief of equity. Mia Williams made $231,229 as the chief of the office of African American Male Achievement in 2021-22. Manal Al Acey, I I don't know how to pronounce that, and I I apologize uh, to anyone who cares, but I, I don't. I just don't know how to pronounce her name. But anyway, she made $154,662 in 2021 and 22 as the director of racial equity advancement. She has eight people in her department. Keisha Scarlett had her salary increase increase in one year from $158,451 to $226,695. After she was appointed as the chief of equity partnerships and engagement, in 2022, Scarlett was promoted to chief academic officer and made $231,229 in the last school year. So that's what's really important to education. Those folks out there teaching math and all the. <laughs> Uh, boy, I don't know. I, you know, sometimes you, you have to stop and say, is this real? And you look about, uh, I, I mean, equity is, I guess, a very important thing to the left. Equality was important to our framers of our Constitution. They felt that if everyone was given a fair shot, equality, that we could all make our own decisions, and decide how much we want to put into a project or a life's work or whatever, and and we could have equal footing to succeed. In other words, get the government out of our lives as much as possible. That was kind of the idea that was behind the founding of America. Now here we are, and equity. Equity is controlling the outcome. It's being sure that nobody wins or loses. This started some years ago in little little league uh, baseball, not the not the official little league, but kids playing, you know, in the schoolyard, their teams and all this kind of thing. They didn't keep score. They would play baseball, and somebody might say, "Well, who's winning?" Well, I, I don't know, or nobody's winning. We don't keep score. We just play. That's equitable. You can't have anyone win or lose because that's discriminatory in the minds of the far left. And so everybody has to play and everybody has to cross the finish line at the same time. Do you realize what that does to a culture? It kills the creativity. There are reasons why America has led the world in advancement over the last hundred years or so. Because we believed in equality and people could come here and they could thrive and they could be their best. But, oh, no, if you're too good, we push you down. If you're not good enough, we lift you up and tell you, no, you're great. 
you could be Einstein. When clearly the kid can't be Einstein. And then we put multiple millions of taxpayer dollars on top of all of that to make it happen. There's a move on every part of our culture, every part of our personal lives. There's a move to take control of it because the assumption is you can't do it for yourself. And so that idea is embodied in these salaries and these people, and I don't mean this personally to these people. I mean, it would be whomever is in that position. It isn't specifically these guys. But it's just the idea that that's what's most important in education today, public education. And that's not unique to Seattle. It's in every leftist city and school district in America. That's where the emphasis is. It's on equity, not education. They want to see someone who maybe can't do as well, do as well as the most outstanding student somewhere, because they can all then be on the same level. That's cultural Marxism underscored. That's what it's about. That's what Marx and Lenin and all these guys brought upon the world is we all got to be just one. We're just one. And that creates a leadership elite that ends up calling the shots. There's been an emphasis in the past culturally on uh, density of housing. They don't want you to live in the suburb and have a lawn. They want you to live in a high-rise and have 1,200 feet, square feet, on whatever floor. And the lucky ones get up so they have a view of Elliott Bay or whatever. I'm just saying there's. this is what's tearing our country apart. And you have to ask yourself sometimes, is there anybody that will stand up to this? Trump did. And look what they've done to him. I'm not suggesting it's over for him. He's the only one running for president right now. Isn't that an interesting? Yeah, he's the only one officially running for president in the next election. I mean, who knows? No, it it won't happen. Believe me, others are on their way. But he is the only one officially running for president at the moment. But he addressed these things and he made, you know, he made some good progress, as they like to say. But this is the battle, and it's not a battle of flesh and blood. It's it's a spiritual battle in the sense that it, it is a, about a godless, humanistic worldview. And you can trace every part of our culture, our policies, you can trace them back to the people who made them the majority in whatever legislature or Congress or whatever. And that's why we have so much anxiety and there's so much concern in our culture today. Because we are on a path that cannot win. You can't create an artificial equity. God created male and female. And he created us in his image to be certain things in in this life. And when you deviate from that, Whether you believe in God or not, God exists. And whether or not you think 
God is in control. He is. And when you deviate from that, it doesn't matter what color your skin is. It doesn't matter to God. And it shouldn't matter to us in the culture. Colors of skin should not be worshipped, nor should it be discriminated against. Martin Luther King tried to make that point. He said, I dream of a day when my children will not be judged by the color of their skin. And we are today at the pinnacle of judging people by the color of their skin. God forgive us. And there's some among us, people of color, that are saying, hey, I don't want this. I I don't want to be equitized. I'm not a product. I'm a person. Give me a chance. Just get out of the way. Well, I think it was Ronald Reagan who once said, I'm, I'm paraphrasing him, I'm not looking at his quote, but he once said, beware of liberals, they'll love you to death. Well, that's true. They try to be the superintendent of every person that they think needs their help, and they think everyone does, except a few renegades who burst out and do their own thing and become productive citizens. Yes, everyone should have an equal opportunity. That's what the Constitution of the United States is about. That's what America is about. But boy, this controlling of people under the guise of helping them, it's a problem. It's a major problem. But I want to tell you, God is in control. The old prophet Isaiah, he wrote, Lift up your eyes on high, and behold who hath created these things, that bringeth out their host by number. He calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power, not one faileth. God does not fail. God's creation does not fail. God is in control. And that's the premise upon which we come to this microphone every day, live at 9 a.m., Some of you are listening a little later, but it's with that conviction that we come here every day, every weekday to talk about what's going on in our world. I want to thank you for supporting us in this. We couldn't, of course, do it without you. I wouldn't be here if it weren't for you who support us. Thank you so much. We need your support. There's there's a growing um, request for this program on radio stations. If we had the money, we could be on probably a couple of hundred radio stations overnight. We don't, of course. But there is a demand for straight talk, and we do the best we can each day to address the issues. We're not angry at anyone. I'm disgusted. I'm righteously indignant. But in God's love, we speak the truth, and we will continue to as long as you'll support us. Thank you, and we need your support. It's box 399 Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. You can also go to our website, faithandfreedomandfreedom.us, and you can contribute there, and many of you do. Thank you so very, very much. I mentioned this to you the other day, but I want to mention it again in case you weren't listening on that particular day. I think it's important, just a, a... a quick note here, but some pro-life advocates were met at the march last this last week 
with blasphemous screams as they prayed during the 50th annual March for Life this a week ago. Several pro-life advocates were kneeling and they were praying. Some of you will remember I mentioned this uh, a few days ago on this program. But a young woman came up to them and got real close to them, kind of in their face while they were praying. They were praying the Lord's Prayer and and various other uh, things they were praying about in, together as a group, a small group. This uh, girl l- looks like she's possessed on the on the uh, video, to be honest with you. But she rushes up to them and is just shouting and shrieking at them. She says, praise Jesus for abortion. And there was a conservative journalist there, one of the uh, conservative news organizations, He took some video of it and put it online, and it's been out. A lot of people have seen it. Praise Jesus for abortion. Praise only fake white Jesus for abortion, she screamed repeatedly. The pro-life advocates that were holding this sign, which read, Life always wins. They continued to pray. This woman was shrieking and shouting, almost out of control. And the people continued to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and so on. So this person wasn't getting the response that she wanted, this shrieker. And so she gets closer. And she she says, not very holy of you, not very Christian of you, huh? She said, the pro-life activist tried to stand up and kind of stand between her and the people that were praying as a kind of a deflection. He didn't touch her, but he was trying to stand between her. And uh, she then took out this whistle, like a referee whistle, and just started blowing it, you know, incessantly. And she said, you know, everybody's, uh, you know, not everybody's Christian, right? You know, not everybody believes in Jesus, right? And she kept taunting and taunting and taunting. And I thought, no, everyone on the left is not like that. But there is a spirit that that reflects. And that spirit is alive and well in the left across our country. And it doesn't matter whether it's about abortion or whether it's about education, whether it's about life itself. It doesn't matter what issue it is. They always fall in that category, and they always respond to those who disagree with them in some measure that's similar to that. That is the profile of the left. Governor Ron Santos has once more found himself in the news. He's weathered standing up to the woke ideologies, the agendas, running the risk of being labeled a racist this last week. The governor's office expressed concern that the pilot version of this advanced placement AP African-American studies course violated state law. That didn't go over well with the left. But on Tuesday, the governor's office released a statement indicating that the college board has said it would revise the course. Because the governor stood up, he didn't attack them, he attacked what they were doing. He said, this isn't right, and it doesn't match up with Florida law, and so on. He made his case. But he took a principled moral stand for what is right. And when you do that, it makes a difference. So I want to talk to you a little bit about what happened. The college board announced it would update the AP African American Studies course after the Florida Department of Education rejected the initial version. They did so because of the the lack of educational value in it and the lack of historical accuracy. That's a valid point. That's not a political or biased point. Then they issued this statement. They said, before a new AP course is made broadly available, it's piloted in a small number of high schools to gather feedback from high schools and colleges. The official course framework incorporates this feedback and defines what students will encounter 
on the AP exam for college credit and placement. The board said, we are grateful for the contributions of experts, teachers, and students, and look forward to sharing the framework broadly. This was their way of saying, okay, you're right, and we're wrong, and we're going to make some changes. Because they had originally, the, the, the courts had originally ruled in favor of the college board, the, the curriculum board. And so uh, on this matter of uh, placement uh, materials. And so now, now they're coming back and they're, they're changing their tune. The governor's office also released a statement and uh, from the de- uh, Department of Education, the Florida Department of Education, this director, Alex Lanfranchino, I think, Connie, Lanfranchini, I think that's the way you pronounce it. He said, we're glad the college board has recognized that the originally submitted course curriculum is problematic. And we're encouraged to see the college board express a willingness to amend. AP courses are standardized nationwide. And as a result of Florida's strong stance against identity politics, and indoctrination, students across the country will consequently have access to a historically accurate and unbiased course. Students across the country, he said. The reason he said that is because there are the large states, primarily Texas and Florida, what they decide for curriculum, it's not an edict, but what they decide as curriculum always trickles down to the other states because they are the two biggest buyers of curriculum from the publishers. So the publishers make it available to states with smaller populations because they can make more profit that way. It just works that way and it has for years. So who controls curriculum basically in the country? Not entirely, but for the most part is Texas and now Florida. So that's why he's saying that students across the country are going to benefit from this and they are. And it struck me as I was reading this, and there's more, and I'll, I'll get to a little bit of it in a moment, but I was, it struck me as I was reading this yesterday afternoon that one man, now this man is a governor. I mean, he has a lot of, a big circle of influence, obviously. But if a person takes a stand, and if you are very principled about the morality of your stand, in other words, if you're a biblical Christian, I don't know what his faith is DeSantis. Um, I would think he might be a a Catholic. He's very conservative. I don't know. But I do know that he he falls where I am most of the time because I've been paying attention to him. A lot of people say he might run for president. I don't know. But I do know what he's been doing. It lines up with a biblical worldview. The policies he's taking, the stands he's taking, this is one example. And this this one is going to reverberate, as this guy says, across the country. It's going to affect kids in, in school, classrooms all across the country in a positive way because they're not going to be able to push the agenda they first presented. Had DeSantis said, you know, that's a battle I don't want to fight. I'm not going to get drawn into that. I'll be labeled a racist. And he has been on television just in the last couple of days. If he had said, you know, I, I just... What can one man do? <laughs> you know, I, I can't change everything. I can, I'm governor of, of Florida and it's a big, huge, big state population wise and all that, but I can't deal with everything. But he didn't. He said, no, this is wrong. And he said, here's what's right. We're going to study African-American history, but we're going to study it in an accurate, fair, 
unbiased way, not agenda-driven. And that made all the difference in the world. And once he took that stand, things began to change around him. And I think there's a lesson in that for all of us as individuals. We don't have the influence that he has. I I don't think. Maybe some of you do. I don't know. I, I don't. But perhaps you do. But for the most part, we don't. This land friend Coney, he also referenced Governor DeSantis' commitment to stop wokeness in the, all of the schools. He said, as Governor DeSantis said, American African-American history is American history, and we will not allow any organization to use an academic course as a gateway for indoctrination and the political agenda. That's exactly what they do. They, they get a foot in the door. It's an inch by inch, anything is a cinch kind of philosophy. If they, they know if they stand long enough and strong enough on an issue, and if they make a little bit of progress, it's incrementalism. And brick by brick or block by block, they build a wall. And they build it through tenacity, through faithfulness to their cause, which is wrong. But that's how it done. And this would have been a gateway to other things that are even more destructive. That's how they push an agenda on America's children. Earlier this month, we learned that a federal judge in Florida handed DeSantis a win after it ruled that the governor's administration did not violate a court order regarding the state's Stop Woke Act. He said, we're going to stop the wokeness. We're going to get real. Let's get the truth and let's put the truth in the curriculum, whatever it is. Let's put the truth in it, whether it's history or, or other studies. In November, this, this uh, Judge Walker had previously called the law positively dystopian when they passed it in Florida, and uh, he issued a temporary injunction. But in November, Walker wrote, Our professors are critical to a healthy democracy and state of uh, Florida's decision to choose which viewpoints are worthy of illumination and which must retain in, uh, uh, remain in the shadows has implications for us all. If our priests of democracy are not allowed to shed light on challenging ideas, then democracy will die in the darkness. Now he's come back and said, basically, I was wrong. And he, he is agreeing with the governor on those issues. I don't know if somebody talked to him. I don't know if he thought about it. I, I don't know what his process was. But I know what his action was, and once he called it dystopian, and then 90 days later, he withdrew that, and he took away the the hold on uh, DeSantis doing what he was trying to do. So, you know, it's it. The, if we take a stand in our life, if we if we stand for something, you never know how God will use that, and you never know to what degree God. We'll use that. There are so many illustrations. I don't have time to get into them, but stories I could tell of incidents where somebody took a stand and they didn't realize that they'd had any effect on anything. There's a great story about a missionary that went to Africa. He ministered and ministered there, and he finally died. And he, before he died, he said, I, I never won a single soul to Christ, and I, I'm a failure. And yet years later, they found there were colonies of Christians where he had been. They had accepted Christ. He didn't know it. But he had had a major effect. And I think that is something we can take for our own lives. If we take a stand for what is right, 
and trust the Lord, you never know how God's going to use you. Hey, thanks for being with me today. I'll see you right here tomorrow. Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525.